so much as some think. It has its highest and most proper evidence in itself. The mind ascends to the truth of the gospel but by one step, and that is its divine glory. Jonathan Edwards Those who are under the power of their natural darkness and blindness cannot see or discern that divine excellency in the Scripture, without an apprehension whereof no man can believe it aright to be the word of God. John Owen Introduction This is a book about what it means to read the Bible supernaturally. I know that sounds strange. If there's anything obvious about you and me, is that we are natural, ordinary, finite, mortal. We're not angels or demons, and we're certainly not God. But if the Bible is what it claims to be, namely inspired by God, then it has a supernatural origin. And what I will try to show is that such a book calls for more than your natural kind of reading, not less, but more. In fact, it calls for the very best of natural reading, but also for more, something beyond what is merely human. As with all strange-sounding claims, there's a backstory. I tried to write this book a year ago, but within a matter of days, another book pushed its way into my mind and demanded to be written first. So I postponed this one and wrote, A Peculiar Glory, How the Christian Scriptures Reveal Their Complete Truthfulness. The question, Is the Bible True?, begged to be answered first. In a sense, this is backward. Surely you must read a book before you can decide whether it's true. So shouldn't a book about how to read the Bible precede a book about its truthfulness? Maybe. But in my case, the discoveries I made in writing A Peculiar Glory proved essential for the way this book is written. The way the Bible shows itself to be true and completely trustworthy carries indispensable implications for how to read it. This has become much clearer to me through writing A Peculiar Glory first. You don't have to read A Peculiar Glory in order to understand this book but it will clarify what I'm doing in this book if you know how that book argues for the truth of the Bible. So, I'll give you a summary. The point of that first book, which shapes this one throughout, is that the Bible reveals its complete truthfulness by shining forth of a self-authenticating, peculiar, divine glory. That too may sound strange, but it may not be as strange if you compare that kind of argument with several others in the Bible of the same kind. The glory of God authenticates the Creator. For example, how does the Bible expect all humans to know that God exists and that He is all-powerful and generous and should be thanked and glorified? Not many questions, if any, are more important than this. The answer is that the Bible expects all humans to see the self-authenticating glory of God in the universe He created. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Just this morning, I was walking home from a prayer meeting at church. As I crossed the bridge over the interstate, I saw to my left, on the horizon, that the sun was just rising. It was white with brightness. I could only let my eyes glance briefly to the side of the sun. The ball itself was too brilliant to allow a direct sight. Everything from horizon to horizon was luminous with its own color and shape in the crystal clear air. It's wonderful how natural light, the brightest and most beautiful of all lights, 
can cheer the soul. But none of that beauty and none of this natural cheerfulness is the glory of God. It is declaring the glory of God. We're not pantheists. To see the glory of God, we must experience something supernatural. But it is there to see. So there is a divine glory shining through the natural world, not just a natural glory. It's not just the glory of beautiful sunrises and the stunning complexity of the human eye and the solar system. It is something ineffable, but real and discernible. We're expected to see not just natural glory, but the glory of God. The Apostle Paul realizes that people don't see this divine glory by themselves. He explains why this is true and yet why none of us has an excuse for this spiritual blindness. It's because what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible...